Welcome everyone to episode 7 of Bond and the Vest Lord. It's just like the mega powers that are Macho Man Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan, but without all the scandal. And racism and all of that stuff. Yeah, that's scandal. all. Yeah, that's covered, I think. Yeah, okay. maybe. I don't know. Fuck it. Anyway, we're probably nothing like the mega powers, but. Nope. Maybe, I'm small. Maybe the craziness. I don't. I. I, I just really like Macho Man. So we're just like Macho Man Randy Savage. Yes. When you combine the two of us, we're we like are one, one Macho Man. We're, we're one Macho Man. I, I yes. think that, that's a good. Yeah, that's, we'll go with that. That's a good one. Yep. All right. So. All right, I want to get right into it. You, you've been playing some some games and some good games. Yes, so, so, I so, can't believe it. So tell me about this game that uh, you, you want to talk about, uh, Stellaris, right? Oh, boy, do I want to talk about Stellaris because there were some heartbreak and some very good times. And uh, I just like a Freddie Prince gamut. Jr. movie. It's great. Precisely. All right, so I'm going to start from the get go and assume that anyone listening to this has no idea what Stellaris is. How about that? Yeah, that's that's a good idea. Okay. So Stellaris is a game available on the PC and Mac, and I believe Linux, or it's coming to Linux. Uh, made by Paradox Development Studio, a Swedish developer. Uh, now, what, what it is, it's almost like a Civ light in a way. So when you start the game up, you are tasked with creating your own civilization, so to speak. So you can pick from one of the pre-canned built-in ones, or you can actually create your own. You can choose whether you're reptilian, whether you're mammalian, whether you um, whether you're people like living on a continental planet. And this is all intergalactic, okay? This isn't just like you're stuck on one planet. You know, you are you are moving across the galaxy. You can choose whether you like frozen planets, tropical planets, you can choose whether your your people's are in are fast learners or uh and here's the cool part so when you're picking your traits okay you can't just make the ultimate civilization because what they do is they give you a certain amount of points and they say okay use these points to select your traits and certain traits like highly intelligent and fast learners require more points than say your average um trait so there are actually negative traits in there. So you can be quick learners, highly intelligent, uh, but you live a short life. Does that give you back points? Or yes. It, okay, all right. Yes, so it actually refunds you some points. So you can actually walk this real tightrope of a balancing act to create what you want your civilization to be. Um, so I created a, a quick learning intelligent uh species and we're humanoids because i don't want to be a reptile or a bird or anything like that i want to be a human and so once and uh, you're tasked with just picking all kinds of details about the civilization and then finally when you create the civilization you could save it so you could use it throughout multiple games so once you get into the game itself after you're done creating your civilization. By the way, when you're creating your civilization, you could even design your ships. I could design and, my ship? Yes. Oh, that's sweet. So you could say, I want my colonial, my, my colony ships to look like this. I want my uh, destroyers to look like this. I mean, it gets crazy with the, I mean, if you were to sit there and micromanage this whole thing, you would probably play one game of Stellaris your entire life. And 
that's it. So, but there is a, there's an incredible amount of customization in there for your civilization. You can customize your civilization's flag, all kinds of stuff. Um, so once you do that and you bounce into the game, the game starts you out with a, a menu, a lot like Civ, where it'll ask you, well, how large do you want your galaxy to be? And you could go from, you know, a, a couple of hundred planets to a thousand pl uh, planets Oh, no, I'm sorry, a thousand stars. And each star having one to nine planets. Okay. Yeah. That would so get pretty crazy. It can get massive. So of course I go and say I want a thousand stars plus in my in my game. And then it asks you, what kind of galaxy do you want? Do you want a spiral galaxy or an elliptical galaxy? And do you want two spiral arms or four? This is and getting fucking serious, Arya. That actually has a bearing on gameplay. So Depending on your civilization and how you go down tech trees, they're like if you're on a spiral arm, you may have difficulty navigating to different parts of the galaxy. So in elliptical, you've just got a massive oval-shaped galaxy, so traversing it's a lot easier. But a spiral galaxy, given the gaps and distances between certain stars, it might actually be more difficult for you to move around based on the current technology that you have. Okay. So that actually does have a bearing on gameplay. Uh, you could choose how many civilizations are in your game, and you could even choose how many civilizations have a head start against you. So, you know, just like, let's say, humans on Earth. If there's life out there on other planets, some may be further ahead of us, some of them may be behind us. And you can actually control uh, that in this game. There's even an Iron Man mode where you cannot manually save. It will always just save on its own. And you can never backtrack. I was actually just hoping Robert Downey Jr. was in the game. That would be awesome. But based on the technology I've seen in this game, I don't think he would get very far. <laughs> Probably uh, not. No. So from there, once you're in the game, you start out with the science vessel, your home planet, your home star system, and one construction vessel. And your science vessel is in charge of going out there, surveying other planets and other stars in different parts of the galaxy. Uh, and all of this takes time, but you could also, you could manually control it and tell it to manually go to certain spots. You could just have to auto and let it go and do its thing. Uh, and then when it scans planets, it reveals certain bits of information. For example, throughout the course of the game, you are juggling a handful of resources. Okay. Uh, you have energy, you have minerals, and then you have influence. So energy is what you need in order to power your constructions and ships basically maintain them minerals is how much they cost to build and influence is interesting influence controls a few things one at the most basic level it controls how quickly your borders expand uh and number two it controls your ability to recruit uh staff and governors so for example your science vessel is staffed by a, a main scientist your fleet in your army is staffed by a, a, a general and right. as you colonize other planets you have to you don't have to but in order to get maximum efficiency you want to put governors in those planets so you're really delegating most of your responsibilities and each of these recruited characters can increase in level as they gain experience but eventually they will die of old age they will die in battle one way or another they will one day die so influence not only expands your borders but 
it's a basically a currency that allows you to hire these people. All right. Now, so your your science vessel goes out, staffed by a scientist, and it scans planets one by one and stars and satellites for each planet. So if there's a moon on a planet, it'll it'll scan that. And then it reports to you whether that planet is habitable. It reports what kind of planet it is. So, for example, even if it's not habitable, but if it's a frozen planet, I may be able to terraform it and make it habitable, but my people won't like it in general because my people like a continental planet like Earth and not necessarily a frozen planet. Uh, so we probably can live there, but we won't do well. Okay. Um, and then it will reveal not only whether it's habitable, uh, but then it'll also reveal what kind of resources you have on that planet. So is there energy here? Do we have uh, minerals or do we have influences and gathered that way? There are also other rare materials that you could discover throughout the course of the game, but those are your basic starting ones. Okay. Uh, so that's how you mine. And then while you're doing this, you've also got to build a fleet to protect your borders. If you're a warlike person, you go to war, uh, and then what's also cool is you come across different discoveries. So as your science vessel is scanning, it'll say, hey, we think we might have found life on this planet. We're not sure if it is, it's primordial or it might be a civilization that's kind of in its, uh, you know, in its uh, Bronze Age. We need to do a little more research and it'll do more research and it'll report back. And then you have different choices as to what you could do. All right. I mean, that's pretty dope. What's also really cool about the game is there's no traditional tech tree. How do so, you tech up then? So you're researching three things. You're researching engineering, physics, and society. So, and, you know, each one unlocks things in those categories. So if you want a warp drive, for example, you've got to start out by researching the physics behind it and then one day researching the actual engineering to build the engine for it. However, the way it's presented to you is you have a choice of three cards initially. And you have to choose from one of the three items that you see on the list. When you choose one of those items for physics, for example, it will take the other two cards and shuffle them, shuffle them back into the deck. You don't lose them, but it shuffles them back into the deck. And the idea behind this is when you look at discoveries in civilizations in the real world, it's usually not on this linear path. You know, you sort of sometimes just come across stuff. And work with it. You know, that's how research sometimes works. And then what will happen is as your science vessel makes discoveries in the galaxy, it will give you bonus points towards researching specific items in the tech tree. Uh, so you'll have a head start based on what your science vessel has discovered for researching, for example, ion thrusters. Uh, or if you've discovered a Bronze Age civilization, you might get a bonus for one of your society uh, research items. So it's not a linear tech tree. It's like this card-based system where you pick something, the other choices are shuffled back into the deck, and then they come back. What's also really cool, though, is based on the proficiency of the scientist that's in charge of that particular study. So you'll have a scientist that you have to recruit that will study physics. You'll have a separate one for uh, society and then a separate one for engineering. They'll have different expertise and personality traits. You can hire and fire scientists, but remember it requires influence. So some scientists could research things really, really fast but the bummer is when they get older, they're likely to pass away. 
And then what will happen is your research in that particular field will slow down when you recruit somebody else at a younger age. And then you almost have to level them up again. So when you think about all of this on a galactic level where you might be inhabiting, inhabiting 10 planets and you have a fleet of 200 ships that you're managing, the amount of control that you have in this game is unbelievable. What's also really cool about it, though, is you're not forced into, into manually controlling anything. You could automate a lot of these processes. Okay. So it's this real fun, I would actually say it's easier to manage than Civ, but it's also a little more interesting because you're just dealing with a whole variety of stuff. Like it's really cool to be going there, to go in there and to customize your destroyers, to choose what kind of engines they have and what kind of uh, shields they have and what kind of weapons they have. And different destroyers can have different setups. Uh, and then it's actually kind of a bummer when you go into battle and then you've got this general that's been with you for so long and then suddenly he's dead. The other cool thing is you're not actually, you can choose the kind of government your civilization has. You could have a theocracy, you could have a direct democracy, you could have a republic. You could choose, what, you could have a galactic empire. Ooh, so, I like that one. Yep. So you can actually have an empire. So I went the republic route. So you vote for representatives on your planet and then your representatives then represent you on a galactic scale. And it's just like the United States. We have like an electoral college. So you actually have a presidential election in that case that runs every five years. And what's interesting about it is you are not running for president. You're sort of like this overlord watching all of this happen. And you have some influence over this. So different presidents have different strengths and weaknesses and they have different agendas. So my first president started out as coming from a mining faction. So his goal within five years was to create four re, uh, mining facilities in different planets. And if you achieve that, number one, your likelihood of being reelected goes up. But two, you're given a bunch of bonus influence points to hire on new people or to expand your borders, whatever you want to do with it. Um. You might have a president that's running on a um, on a research platform. So instead of building mining facilities, they task you with building research facilities. And you've got different goals depending on who ends up becoming president. There's a whole lot of different variations. And there's two win conditions, but from what I understand, they're not all that important. Uh, you either destroy the hell out of everyone else in the galaxy, or you take up 40% of the space in your galaxy, but you can continue playing on even when that's done and the, the game will continue to play out. Okay. I mean, that's, it's a pretty cool game. So it is like Civ. There is no, like, there's no real end ending. game, okay. so to speak. No, yeah. I, I, all right, I just want to clarify that before so, people go buying the game. <laughs> so what got crazy for me is I loaded up my game. I was about 12 hours in and I'm learning the game now. So I'm not doing that well, but I'm doing, I think, okay. I get to this point where I'm mining so many minerals, but I'm not, I'm at a, I'm at a, um, I'm at a deficit for influence and for energy. Now energy I could easily trade for. So I spoke to a, um, to a friendly civilization. I'm like, listen, I'll give you a mineral dump of this and you give me a, uh, an energy dump of that. So you can trade resources with other civilizations. All right. However, influence you cannot. 
And I got to the point where I was losing two influence per month. And I got to the point where I had zero influence, meaning my borders would not expand and I could not hire replacements for my uh, scientists and generals and governors. So I was in this weird spot too, where my direct neighbor did not like me very, very much. And the neighbor on the other side was a galactic empire that was way ahead of me in terms of technology. So I just said, I don't know what the fuck to do at this point. Like, I can't expand my borders. I'm sandwiched between these two civilizations, one of which is way more powerful than me uh, militarily. So I just said, fuck it. Our neighbors are even in terms of uh, naval power. I just got to go to war. <laughs> like, I like it. At a desperation to expand my borders, I did the dickhead Donald Trump move, and I'm just like, fuck it, I gotta go. And I got my ass whooped. And that was the end of that civilization. Happens to the so, best of us, man. Happens to the best of us. You know, it's funny because it didn't end my civilization, but what happened was my borders got so small, and my civilization was basically cut in half. So... Half of my civilization was on one side of the border of this empire. The other half was on the other. So I couldn't even effectively trade resources between the two. And I'm just like, well, I don't know what I can do anymore. I might have to become the vassals of this empire that took over me. And what's also really cool is when you get into a war with another empire, you set win conditions. You basically say, no, in order for me to end this war... You need to succeed to me. You've got to become my vassal or I want control of these planets that you currently have. And not only are there battles and skirmishes in the war, but there's actually an overall war score. So you might lose a handful of battles, but that doesn't mean that it's over uh, because the ongoing war still might be ongoing. And throughout that whole thing, you know, you might find allies in the process. The other guy might have enemies that they were fighting a war with before. So wars go on for a really, really long time. Uh, and they really can swing back and forth because it's not just based on what happens in one battle. Okay. But that, I mean, that's Stellaris in a nutshell. I've played about 13 hours in one sitting. That's a, that's a lot of... Uh... That, that was a whole day. Basically, <laughs> I, I give you credit. I don't think I could sit in front of the computer for that long and, and do that, especially Dude, uh, with games like that. They're, they're very difficult for me to uh, focus on for that long. You end up losing track of time and then there goes your whole day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, sh I should probably not buy this game. But for any fan of civilization, it sounds 40 like bucks. Be a fan of that. Well, 40 bucks is pretty good. That's cheaper than most games you could get nowadays. Yep. And it's actually had a very good tutorial. Well, sweet. I mean, so. yeah, fucking buy the game. 40 bucks. Get it on Steam. Do it right now. Stop we listening not... to the show and listen, uh, and go buy Stellaris. We are not sponsored by these people. No, we are. I, I talked to them while you were talking. Oh, they're, please, they're sponsoring us. Please buy this game. Yes. Yeah, totally. Do it. Yes. All right. So on to the next thing. Uh, Doom doesn't suck. No, I can't believe it. Surprise. <laughs> I, I can't fucking believe that that game is actually good. I We were hoping. We were hoping it was good, but we were, we were tempering yeah. our expectations. Yes. But apparently, so I haven't played it yet. I've, but I've I played, watched a, bit I played of it. a tiny bit by a friend's house, and that was about it. But from what I played, it was, it was fun. I got to curb stomp people. The best part of that game is that it knows it's Doom, and it's not super serious about its lore. That's what it needed. <laughs> Yes, and the best part, I've seen the intro, I've seen the first 10 minutes of the game, 
And the fact that Doom Guy, who is such a generic character to begin with, doesn't even have a name. He's just known as Doom Guy forever. He starts out in this sarcophagus. He breaks out only to find out that for whatever reason, people were worshiping him. He goes to his armor and it's surrounded by candles in like this seance-like environment. Grabs the armor. This, you know, this disembodied voice is talking to you, talking you through a comm system. As the guy's talking, he just goes, fuck you. Grabs the intercom and breaks the shit and keeps moving. That, that sounds like Doom Guy. Doom Guy That's, to the max. Doom Guy for life. Doom Guy, baby. So I'm, I'm on vacation next week, but when I get back, I'm looking forward to uh, getting some Doom. What, uh, so what platform did you play it on? I played it on the Xbox One, but I am going to buy it on the PS4. I hear the Xbox One is the worst version, but it's still pretty good. Uh, PC version is still top-notch, but you need a pretty beefy PC to run it. Um, and PS4 is like a nice middle ground. Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to play the game and enjoy it and not worry about like frame rate issues or my graphics card or anything. So I'm going to get on the console. I mean, we might stream it. I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I just I just want to play the game and enjoy it. I don't, I don't want to have to worry about it not working and then having to return it, especially if I could just go to GameStop and, uh, and buy it. And from my understanding, you go to that game for single player. Multiplayer is not good. It's Doom. I I would not yeah, expect. You, no anyone, one goes yeah. to Doom. If you went to Doom for multiplayer, yeah. What the I'm fuck sorry. are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, Even back in the day, that's what Quake was for. Yeah, yeah. No, you you play Doom because it's a fun single player game. There's monsters. Yep. You blow them up. They they look goofy as fuck, and it's great. Everything about it is great, and you should buy it. However, that's sixty bucks because it's a brand new game. So if you're ready to put down, you know. Some cash. 60 bucks worth. Exactly. $60 worth is the amount. But fucking worth it. What's cool, though, is there really isn't a game like that anymore. It's It's got to be a really hard task to modernize Doom, but not to completely change what Doom is at its core. Yeah, we were talking about that on the Stone Age Gamer a little bit, and uh, it's... You have to find a happy medium. Because what Doom is, number one, there's no reloading in the game, which is fucking awesome. Uh, Number two... Doom is all about fast movement to the point where you could dodge bullets. So to get rid of that and not aiming down sights. So to keep all of that, but to modernize game, I will also say though, that game has probably the best in-game map I've ever seen in a shooter. Uh, I I don't know if you saw it, but that map. So what's really awesome about it is number one, it's very clear to know where you are. And where you where you have to go, but number two, it's this because you have multiple. I mean, unlike the old Dooms, there's actually some verticality to this game. Right. However, it's real easy to see the different levels in the map, so you know you know if the objective is above you or below you. You know where you are in the grand scheme of things. I take a look at the mini map and not the mini map, but take a look at the overall map in the game. It's actually a very good map. I was actually like kind of surprised by that. All right, I'll, I'll have to take a look. Uh, the guys at Robot Nightmare on our YouTube channel are playing it for uh, Let's Play purposes. So uh, they're they're they've been saying they're enjoying it. So I mean, that's that's five people so far in our and, in our little network that says it's a good game. And what's really weird about that game is they held off on sending review copies to yeah, major websites, but. No one knows why, because the game seems to be fucking awesome. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess maybe they felt like they didn't need to. Just 
fuck? I, I think their reasoning was something like uh, the online components have to be up and running for you to enjoy, which is kind of weird because, again, I don't think anyone went to that game for single player, for multiplayer. Um, but I think that was their reasoning in the emails that they sent out to publications was, no, you need the online components for this game to completely work. Uh, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I mean... I, I didn't really feel like it was necessary, but I maybe got to sign in Dude, or some shit. You know? no, no regenerating health. Just health packs and armor. That's the way to do it. Yep, that that's Doom. That is the way to do it. That is Doom to the max. Uh, All right, so yeah, bye, bye fucking Doom. I mean, that is... I'll get, I'll get that on PC when I get back yeah, from vacation. Yeah, I mean, uh, I there, there's no reason not to buy it. It's, it's Doom. It's great. They, they brought it back to what it was supposed to be, so it was everything that we were hoping for, for the most yep. part. Um. All right, so I got a story. I got I got a little bit of story because uh, we were, we were talking about GameStop. Well, I mentioned GameStop uh, a couple minutes ago, and uh, it's it's not a good story. Uh, it's it's not one applauding GameStop. So uh, I'm I'm gonna jump in. Uh, have you ever heard of the game Henry Hatsworth? No. Okay, it's it's a DS game. It's a, it's a puzzle game. I like puzzle games uh, on my DS because that's what I feel my DS is good for. It's a great puzzle playing pa- platform. I open it up. Play a few puzzles, close it, put it back in the charger, and I'm done. It's great. It's fantastic for that. So, um, I feel that within this, uh, the the next year, uh, when the new systems come out, GameStop will uh start phasing out DS games, which I feel like is already happening because all yeah. their games are going to rock bottom prices. I got Final Fantasy Tactics A2, which is not a great game. I got it for ten bucks. Uh, I got Legend of Starfy for two dollars. Two dollars—that's okay. a fucking great game. Two dollars, um, <laughs> and then Henry Hatsworth is two fifty. So I said, "All right, let me go get it." Henry Hatsworth is a fantastic puzzle game that kind of bends genres. It's part platformer and part puzzle, and it's it's great. The characters are great. Everything about it is fantastic. Kind of slipped under the radar as a lot of DS games did. Because uh, if if it wasn't a big name, people just kind of assumed it was shovelware and shied away from it, which, you know, shit happens. It is what it is. Uh, anyway, uh, I I look up what GameStops have in there. There are two GameStops, one very near my house and the other one still near my house, but I got to drive there. So I'm at work and I'm like, okay, $2.50, it's worth having. I want to expand my DS library before they get rid of all these games and I figure I can do you that. You want a collection. Yeah, yeah, totally. So a library, yeah, so to you speak. know, because I mean, my 3DS plays it, and I do have a DS Lite and an original one, so you know, I'm totally set. So I uh, I call them, and the one near my house, and I said, "Hey, do you guys have Henry Hatsworth?" And he's like, "I don't know what that is." And I was like, "You can can you look up Henry Hatsworth?" <laughs> and he said, "What's that for?" And I said, "The DS." So he looks it up and he says, "Yeah, I have it." And I said, "Okay." I'll be over in like 10, 15 minutes. He's like, actually, what you can do is you can reserve it online and then we'll pull it for you. And I said, but I called you. Can't you just pull it now? Yeah, but you know, uh, it's official. No one's going to take it away or anything. So I said, all right, how long is that reserve good for? He said a day. And I was like, all right, actually, you know what? That works better. I can go get it tomorrow morning. So I, I, I did what he said. I reserved the game and... I tomorrow the next day I wake up and I get an email email says oh hey listen remember that game you wanted it's not there anymore and I was just like what what the fuck so I called them and they're like oh yeah 
we couldn't find the game. And I'm like, God, fucking damn it. So yep. whatever, shit happens. So I go to the next store, which is, I, I got to drive there. I'm like, all right, whatever, fine. I go, very nice lady behind the counter. I'll give them this. GameStop is certainly up their customer service for the most part as far as doing face-to-face interactions. Um, so, you know, she's super nice to me and everything. And she gets me the game and all that very quick. This GameStop has always been good. This is the one I actually used to work at. And, um, I, again, very helpful, all that. Didn't really bother me about reserves all that much. So um, I, I picked up the game. I left. I get home. That night, I pop it in. Doesn't fucking work. I look at the back of it. It's all scratched up and gunked up and shit. Uh. And I tried it in every D. I, again, I have three DSs. And I not three DSs, three separate DS systems. I have a 3DS, yeah. I have a DS Lite, and a regular DS. Tried it in all three, didn't work. Tried different games in all three, and they all worked. So I was like, all right, it's the game. That fucking blows. I really want the game, even though it's $2.50, still really want it. So I start checking around on other websites like Amazon and eBay. If I wanted a new copy, 40 bucks, 40 $50, because it's, right. it's a rarish game and whatnot. So I said, all right, fuck it. I'm not paying that. There's no way. So... Uh, I, I tried cleaning it. It didn't work, uh, even though it got most of the gunk and shit off. And then I, uh, I went back to the store and I said, all right, what can you guys do? Well, here's what we can do. We can return the game. We give your money back. And I said, no, I don't want that. I want the game. Well, no one around here has it. And I said, okay, is there anything you can do? Well, we could order it. I was like, can you see if you know, it'll work before it gets here. Well, you know, that's all up to the store that has it and whatnot. And I said, all right, look, I don't want the game if I'm just going to get another one that doesn't work because GameStop has a bad reputation for not testing things. So I don't want to get the game and then it's dead on arrival. And she's like, that's very understandable. I'm sorry. And I apologize. I was like, I get it. I get it. You're trying to be super helpful and super nice. But you're not helping my situation. So no. I was like, listen, just give me the game. I'll find a solution. I'll, I'll take it back. So I left the store with the game that I, uh, I I got. Now, GameStop, I'm looking at you right now. If if anyone knows a, a corporate member, this is still a problem. You don't touch your goddamn games, especially <laughs> DS, like cartridge games. I don't know why you think they're just magically going to work. But no, DS games don't work if they're worn out or covered in gunk, just like fucking discs when they're scratched. It, the gunk is kind of nasty. It is. Um, so I brought the game back home, and I was looking around, and I said, you know what? Maybe they make replacement pins or replacement cases or something. Sure enough, they do. I checked eBay, and they do make refurbished cases where you can crack the case open of the old one, and they make ones where you can just pop it back in with brand new pins. Uh. So I did order one of those, and then my dad came home, and he said, all right, we're going to try one more thing before, you know, you, you go ahead and do open-heart surgery on a tiny video game. And I said, that's that's a good idea. So he gave me some uh, contact cleaner solution and a wire brush. Yeah. I went up the thing for a good, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 minutes, and uh, I wiped it off, dried it, popped it in, started working. Uh, so... Contact cleaner works great. Alcohol, I guess, is really just for surface <laughs> stuff, but I, I used the contact cleaner and uh, kind of worked out. I don't know how All long right. it'll work for, but yeah. But I mean, world of the story is GameStop, ch- check your fucking shit, man. I mean, I get it. I'm like not a crazy important customer to you guys, 
because I spent two fifty on the game, two dollars and fifty cents, not two hundred fifty dollars. But really, who is an important GameSpot a GameStop employee, uh, customer? Yeah, nobody really. Right? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's you, you're trying to make I because I I could very well go online and write a shitty survey about you guys don't fucking test your games. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to bitch on my podcast because it'll get the far less people that way that might work at GameStop because I don't want to get anyone in trouble as far as the actual employees. Uh, like the, again, the manager that I spoke to was very nice. She was trying to be super helpful, as helpful as she could be. But you know, at that point, it's out of her hand. She can't give me another game, so I get it. You know, I'm kind of shit out of luck. She didn't say that, otherwise, that would have pissed me off. But <laughs> you're, you're kind of shit out of luck, bro. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's not hard. Grab a DS. Put it in, especially if the game looks a little suspect. I'm not saying you have to pop in every goddamn game. I'm just saying, oh, that looks like that has shit on it. Let me put it in. Yeah, before I take this in. Exactly. So, I haven't been to a GameStop in quite a while. I've been there once in the last, I would say, five years. Okay. Uh, because uh, I got really into Street Fighter. I have... I have one arcade stick, the Hori Rap 4, but I really also wanted the Mad Cat's TE2 Plus. Mad Cat's TE2 Plus is real hard to come Well, it was really hard to come by. So I kept checking around the area to see if anyone had it. And like a couple of GameStops in New York had it, but I'm not going to go into Manhattan, uh, especially in the parts of Manhattan that did have it, to pick it up. Then suddenly, one day, the Anglewood one had it. And I said, oh. And I'm in their app. I didn't even call. I did the online reservation thing, but I went to pick it up like an hour later and it was there. And the guy was super nice. He, we bought a bunch of these like little keychain things that were also street fighter themed. He gave us one for free. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Cause we cleaned them. We cleaned them out. We took all of them. I like it. I like yep. it. But yeah, otherwise I am not going to a GameStop. Yeah. Like, like I said, the one thing I can say is I guess th- I don't know if they pay them more to suck more dick, but um, it, it seems like they've gotten a little nicer throughout the years because when I was working there, they fucking hired anyone, and it was not fun, you know, trying to teach... I, I'm not trying to be sexist here. A mouth-breathing no, idiot. No, not even that, because we hired those, and, like, we, we did pay for that. But then on the other spectrum, they were like, hire girls. Girls are great. Gamers like boobs, and I'm like... All right, fine. We'll hire a girl. So th- my my manager hired the prettiest girl he could find for for Christmas. It was the biggest mistake ever. Oh, really? She gave no shits about games, which again, I get it. You know, you need a holiday job or whatever. Someone daddy's telling you to you need to pay the bills a little bit more. Cool. She didn't show up to work ever. And just one day, she kind of walked in and said, I quit. And I was like, we assumed you quit four weeks ago when you stopped showing <laughs> up you're... for work. And when she was there, she just, she didn't she didn't know what to talk about with people or anything. She thought we were all disgusting animals who liked video games. So, yeah, oh. it was uh, like oh. <laughs> you either got one end of the spectrum or the other. It was very seldom that you got the happy mediums. But it seems like the happy mediums are working there now, which is great. Like, just gamers that want to be there, want to talk about video games, and, like, I ideally want to help you, which, in a retail store, is kind of (laughs) good. I feel like they're probably not paying their employees more. I'm betting that what's happening is the economy's really bad, so people are like, I cannot lose this job, and that's that. Probably. 
Probably, but I mean, at least they're hiding it behind fake smiles. Yep. Yeah. That's not bad. So, uh, also, uh, Pokemon app. Oh, yeah, Pokemon it's Go in beta. App. Yeah, it's in, it's in beta. The The company who's running that thing is uh, N- I, N- N- Nyan something. I don't know. So, those guys actually used to be part of Google. Uh, wow. So, they have some pedigree. They're not completely random, weird people. Um, for, so that's what I understand about them is that they did, they, they used to be some kind of subsidiary of Google and now they have their own company. Yep. All right. Well, and, I mean, and now I guess they're in charge of Pokemon go in the United States. Um, um, which makes sense because Google said a lot. Did you hear that? Yeah. Hang on. That was a cat. Um, doing a podcast. Uh-oh. Okay. Go ahead. All right. So, do you hear that in my background? A cat? Yeah. A little bit, but it's fine. He's, like, growling at another cat. Oh. Whatever. No one cares. He never does anything. Um, So, it kind of makes sense, because Google's had loca- tons of, like, these weird location-based experiments that they've had before. Uh, they had, a, I think, an app called Field Trip, which... Based on your current location, it's like, oh, you know, this movie was filmed here or George Washington walked here. It's like they, they've done a lot of like little location based experiments like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if these guys kind of came out of that. All right. I mean, I'm I'm interested to see what this turns out to. So see, you know? I went from super hyped to not very hyped about that game. I'm, I'm hot he, and cold about it, about it still. He, because people in Australia and Japan have had access to it for a bit, and apparently it's quite shallow. You collect Pokemon, but you cannot battle them. There's no leveling them up or anything like that. You are just collecting Pokemon. That's well. I mean, I, I don't know if it's fleshed out yet, but you're supposed to be able to battle them. Like that was in the trailer. Oh, not here. All right. Well, I mean, I so. it's it's I don't know if it's totally like out and you know release there or is it still in beta there it's still in field testing is what they're calling it but we'll see i've got a i've got a feeling that nintendo will find a way to make sure this isn't as good as it can be so you don't prefer this over the actual pokemon sun and moon that's coming out later this year well i mean because not for nothing if that was a real pokemon game with the location-based stuff on a smartphone i would never ever actually buy a pokemon game again on on a nintendo platform uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's difficult. I, yeah, no, you're probably right because yeah, if no you're one telling plays me if the I had, story for fucking Pokemon, yeah, you're telling me if I had Pokemon or even Animal Crossing, which is coming, if I had that on my smartphone where I can go in and out for five minutes whenever I want, I am not gonna spend the money to buy the thing on a 3ds. No, I got you. Just, I got I'm you. Not gonna. No, makes sense. Makes sense. Mario, I will, because Mario, you need good controls for it. But Animal Crossing, Pokemon, no. I would actually say if they put out a if if it had a full on battle system with the leveling system in Pokemon Go, that would be the best Pokemon game ever created, just based on the fact that it's using real location. Like you're out in the world finding Pokemon. That's pretty freaking cool. Oh, no, it's pretty legit. I agree. But they're gonna figure out a way to fuck it up. Well, I guess we'll have to see. Uh, uh, again, if you want to sign uh, up for that, we'll put a link in the show notes. But I'm pretty sure it's probably all filled up to the max already with as many people as they could 
get. Yeah, I've got no idea where they're at right now with that. Yeah. I didn't actually sign up for it. I signed up for it. I mean, if I if I get in early, it'd be nice to, you know, check it out and all that. But we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm... I'm not much of a beta tester anymore. On my phone, it's not really that, like, big of a deal because it's not like I'm jumping through that many hoops. I just download the app and then, well, all right, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll see how it is. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I'm not excited. I'm interested. Uh, do we have anything else to talk about on the docket? Uh, Disney Infinity is no longer. Yeah, yeah, that, that sucks. That bummed me out. Yeah, I'm, uh, fuck, man. And then they released, like, oh, all right, we, well, we were gonna do all this stuff, yeah, but we're not. Yeah, but forget, <laughs> forget 12-inch toys, Star Wars Rogue One, they had all that stuff in the works. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I think... Disney put a lot of a lot more time and love into that game than say Activision did with Skylanders and I yeah. I think uh the cost of development was starting to add up because they they did put a lot of well funk- their whole th- they took 140 mil- 147 million dollar write down on it primarily because the company itself not the developers but the company itself uh overestimated the value of the toys so they charged too much, and they didn't move enough units. So that was the reasoning behind that. By $147 million. And because of that, 300 people are out of a job. <sighs> and, and they're no longer... So they're no longer building games in-house anymore. They're going to start licensing everything. Oh, it seems no. like EA is their... seems like EA has become their primary licensing partner. Um, because I know um, Respawn is making a Star Wars game. Uh, Dice is making another Battlefront, and um, Visceral is also making a Star Wars game. The Visceral one, I think, is going to be the most interesting. I mean, I don't hate Dice, and I, you know, Visceral's a great developer, but I just, I don't like EA. (laughs) Well, the big thing with Visceral now, though, is Amy Hennig is there now. Oh, yeah? So, Uncharted writer, uh, from one through three, is working on that game at that studio. That's pretty dope. So it's something story driven, third person probably. Well, I like uh, that you had me at story driven. Yeah, so we'll we'll see. Uh, Respawn, I know, is making some kind of shooter. Um, what else is new? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, I mean, they've only got two games. Well, one game, and they're they're swearing that they're making a Titanfall game. Still, Why another Titanfall? <laughs> yeah, they well, they swear they are, and I'm like, listen, man. The reason why EA gave you a Star Wars game to work on is because they probably were not super happy with how the first Titanfall sold. So, yeah, no, yeah, um, you know, Titanfall came out at a prime time too. There was nothing else coming out, and it came out on the wrong platform yeah, it just though. Didn't do well. <laughs> came out on the Xbox One and PC. They just ignored PS4. Yeah, that was a bad choice, and that bit them in the ass pretty hard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was that. Um. E3's coming up in a couple of weeks. Yep. Yep. I All right, yeah, that's a thing. I I don't know. I'm new Nvidia graphics cards. Oh, the 1080, man. That that Yeah, that I'm going to get one. Yep. Yeah, it's actually reasonably one. priced too. I I might uh, I might grab one and uh yeah. stick it in my uh my gaming rig and I'm not going to get that Founders edition. I'm not paying $100 premium for a Founders version. No, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. I'm like I will get the non-Founders version. Thank you. Yeah, it's plenty powerful anyway, so. Um, yep. 
Well, it's the same yeah, no, fucking that's, card. That's what I mean. Like, <laughs> there's, there's nothing different. It's power, you know. So, um, yeah. yeah, I, 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 the card is way more powerful than what I have in my big rig, which is crazy because I have, I think, a nine seventy in there, and uh, it's way more powerful than I thought it would be. Yeah. It's more powerful than the Titan. It's way more powerful than a nine eighty Ti Sly setup. I feel bad I'm for like, the people who uh oh no yeah nine eighty that's what I have but I don't I don't have the sly um but it it if it being more powerful than the titan and being like a fraction of the price that's of just cost? yeah that's just yeah, a that's kick in the balls crazy. to anyone who bought that that's that's what it is though that's the crazy part about yeah. it yeah well I mean they managed to keep costs down you know what to, to you know what it. though yeah I was gonna say the people that bought the titan will buy this yeah, well yeah because they're they, yeah they people want that the spend best that kind of yeah, money yeah. yeah. They're just saving a little bit now, at least. The crazy part, though, is I will. I'm in a position where uh, I will have to upgrade um, my processor and my memory because then I'll have a bottleneck uh, with the graphics card being so powerful. So it's it's time to start ripping stuff out. I think... Well, I got to see if I can use my AMD chipset with the NVIDIA stuff. I know you can for uh, some of the older cards, but... I don't know if that one being specifically brand new is only going to work with a lot of the Intel crap, so I have to check my board. So I'm in a weird dilemma where my system still runs everything I play, max settings, 1080p, just fine. However, I feel like we're on the cusp, like with Doom coming out, I think we're on the cusp where we're going to see a leap in graphics on the PC this year. So I want to be prepared for yeah, that. Yeah, I want to grab that card. I'm going to throw in some more memory. And uh, I think my processor's fine. I have one of the newer AMDs. Uh, it runs at like 4.3 gigs. It's one of those oct- the fake like octo-core things. But it yeah. runs great. So, you know, I just figured get get the memory, get the graphics card. And, oh, I got to upgrade the uh, the cooling system. I got in my my big guy, I got the, uh, uh, what do they call that? The, the Corsair uh, Hydro stuff. Yes, that runs super quiet, and I mean th- that's an actual six core I have in in there, and that that thing runs super quiet and runs fast. Um, also, the board that I got for it um, has an over not an overclock, like a optimization thing when you're doing gaming or video editing, and I put it on there. It runs even better now. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, I mean, I'm really happy with that one. And my, my gaming rig is just, that one's a little bit more budget, but, I mean, I, I get the new car to get some memory and stuff. Uh, it'll be up there once again. By the way, speaking of PC gaming, uh, just a heads up in case you wanted to buy them. Fallout 4 is now on Steam sale for 40 bucks instead of 60 And The Witcher 3 is half off. I got The Witcher, so I'm I'm good there. Unfortunately... The sale for Fallout is coming out the same time that Warhammer Total War is coming out. Oh, oh, okay. And so you're you're a Warhammer Total War kind of guy. Yeah. Creative assembly. I, I mean, I'm I'm a Warhammer guy, and I like Total War, and that's like you put chocolate on my peanut butter, and I'm I'm all happy. About whoa, that. whoa. No, not, let look. Let's not have a dirty mind. It's a Reese's peanut butter oh. cup. God. Oh, I I went there. You, you did. <laughs> Oh, also, this has nothing to do with video games, but did you hear about the Comic-Con news? The Santa Fe one, or... Oh, oh, the, um... You've got to do a fan verification. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Um, I think that starts today. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it just in case I want to buy a ticket. I, I have to go, so... 
I will. It opens up at 12 p.m. today. But it's not first come first serve for fan verification page. They just want you to right, fill out right, the right. Yeah, and then yeah. the tickets will go on sale later. Yeah, they said within 48 hours of tickets going on sale, you'll be notified by email with a unique link uh, to get your tickets. No VIP tickets this year. All tickets will only be sold online. So you can't go to Midtown Comics anymore to pick up your I tickets? I think we're going to have a smaller crowd. Because I, I, I don't think people are going to go out of... I, well, one, that stops scalpers. Two, like people aren't there, there aren't going to be people asking for like six or seven tickets anymore. And Correct. I think at max... So here's the thing. You can only buy... Um, you When you buy your ticket, you can only buy, I believe, three. Okay. And if you buy it for someone else, they must also have a fan verification profile filled in. So when you buy it, it will actually ask you, well, what is their email address that they used to create their profiles to link the ticket to that person? I, this is going to be interesting. It should also be streamlined as far as like getting the tickets out to people and stuff now. Uh, with the unique link, I'm assuming so, since you won't have to just sit there at a page on like Eventbrite and just constantly refreshing and hoping you get through. I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm looking, and I think they're... They, yeah, it's just no longer any VIP tickets. They still have four-day, three-day, and single-day passes, so that's still there. And kids do not need to have a fan verification page. Well, that's good. Good. Little Jimmy yeah. doesn't need a fan page. Yeah. So it'll be interesting because all I know is the last, I mean, I've been going to NYCC not forever, but since 2010, uh, and since 2012, I've been going for four days and the traffic I think peaked not last year, but the year before where it was just so packed, you could not walk through halls. To get from one place to another. Yeah, it's it's gotten to that point, and uh, I I think we did need a step back. It was definitely over capacity. Like there were people in there with counterfeit tickets for sure, and I think the RFID ticket alleviated that, but it didn't stop scalpers. No, yeah, that that's the thing. I I don't think they're going. Well, for one, I think their ticket sales aren't going to be as high as they they would have been with this because I don't think a lot of people are going to go out of their way to get these tickets. I think this is going to get, this is going to size down uh, a bit of that, that huge mob that you had because they're not widely available anymore. You can only get it through their website. Um, I mean, I could be very wrong. I could, people could just have I, the fervor for this, but I, I don't know. It's, I'm still a little nervous about, um, because Midtown Comics was the only retailer that sold their tickets last year. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was almost exclusively online. I mean, if you were outside of New York City, it was basically well, exclusively it, right, online. Right, right. So um, I don't know. We'll see. I, I figure throwing in the extra step will definitely help from basically what they're doing is they're, I think they're preventing bots from just constantly pinging the page to get people through. Since you need the fan verification, it's almost like a captcha, basically, on a website. Right, I got you. I mean, I'm I'm interested to see how it goes. I think it'll. I think it's a good thing. And I also wonder what it does to eBay. Um. Well, I, I mean, I think eBay's out of the picture now because you, to buy a ticket, you need to be that person. 
Correct. They're non-transferable, but you could still buy two extra tickets. You have 14 days to link them to a fan verification page, which is still enough time. But that means someone needs to make the fan verification page beforehand. So the only way this would work is if you made the page, you missed the sales, uh, but someone had extra tickets. Correct. Well, I mean, that's just, that's a lot of fans or butts. I mean, I'm sure you're going to see some. People camp out for that shit days in advance. They're, they'd are they be willing to do that. Or hopefully they're not smart enough to do it. Uh, that, that's what I think it's going to come down to. I think a lot <laughs> so. of people are just going to get frustrated by... <laughs> You know, oh, I gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta, I, then you know, I, I gotta wait for for this to go through. Then I gotta do it again, and I, I'm not not withstanding either of us. It, the internet is a lazy place. You know, people just want it to be easy. This isn't exactly easy. It's it's an extra step. You know, instead of just waiting for that day and clicking a few times and hoping to get through. You got you gotta you gotta make this profile, you gotta fill everything out, then you gotta wait, then you have to log back in, you gotta buy the ticket, and I'm assuming you have to enter all your payment information and all that and then do it again. Yep. So, you know, I, I think it's a little bit more frustrating for people to do and I think that's gonna eliminate just uh and this is some of the traffic. This is this is Stanley's last Comic Con, NYCC. Ah okay. <laughs> I mean yep. I, I'm sad to see him go. I I've met him before at at less crowded comic cons once upon a time and uh, yeah I mean it's it's cool that uh, they announced this is gonna be his last thing but uh, you can't see anything. yeah he's like a billion it's it's okay you can't see let let the man rest that makes me sad he he's old man he's like ninety he said the thing. He's, I think he's like 93. He said the thing that he misses the most is not being able to read comics. Well, you know what? He should just get new eyeballs. He's Stan Lee. He's like a bajillionaire. Oh. Dude, he, listen, he he's like a, a thousand million years old, you know. Uh, I mean, he's had, a, he's had a good run, you know. One episode, we're going to be talking about the death of Stanley. Uh, we are. You know I, I mean, uh, you know, we're getting it was there. sad that uh, Darwin Cook passed away uh, last weekend. So yeah, yeah. Let's not let's not end the show on a sad. Well, note. here's hoping that NYCC is going to be awesome. Yeah, less crowded. Yeah, and, and Stanley and and hopefully your ticket buying process if you're going is easy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I I think that wraps it up, right? I. For sure. All right. Okay. That was a healthy episode. It was a healthy episode. A healthy heaping of Bond and the Vest Lord, a.k.a. the Macho Man Randy Savage Show. Stock market is fucked right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So, remember, if you want to get in touch with us in any way, shape, or form, remember to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, all that good stuff. You can follow the website at Geekade on most things or just Geekade. Um, and if you'd like, remember to give us a five-star rating or review on Stitcher, uh, iTunes, all that, all that good stuff. We'll be on Amazon sooner or later. Soon, I'm, I'm sure. Google Play. Google Play yeah, yeah, all that. It's, it's yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Anyway, um, besides that, you can reach us individually. I am at Kimono underscore Vestlord on, uh, Twitter and Aria. I am at Ghetto Bond, all one word. And you can also no hear us with other people on other shows uh, on The Average Geniuses. 
Oh yeah, we do that yeah. too. Theaveragegeniuses.com. Yeah. yeah. Or search. Or search. For the average geniuses in iTunes, Stitcher, and other places where podcasts can be found. Sound like the Ultimate Warrior there for a second. Ah, he's dead. Too. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people dead. Oh well, that's not how we're gonna end the show. We're gonna end it. On are the- we getting to? The- are we getting to the point where life is just taking away, and not giving anymore? Well, for us, because we're nostalgic, but it's okay. It's all right. I'm gonna have to start having kids. Soon. No, don't do that. Just, just, oh. just buy more jiggly buy new video amigos, games. amiibos. Or Amigos. Amigos. Goodbye, <laughs> Jigglypuff Amigos with little you sombreros. Are, you autocorrected yourself. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Anyway, uh, from me and Aria, this is Bond and the Vest Lord. And always remember to vest your bondments or bond your vestments. Anyway, listen to the next am episode. I, am I going to be here next episode? Yeah, you be here whatever episode you want. I'm on vacation oh, next week. Oh, well, fucking... We'll, we'll... Until next yeah. time. <laughs>